I don't know how much value I have in this universe, but I do know that I made a few people happier than they would have been without me. As long as I know that, I'm as rich as I ever need to be. Uh, back once again with another episode. This is the It's Time to Refresh podcast, and it's episode 53. Um, we've got a very, very special guest on today because I'm an absolute fanboy, if I must say. Uh, and it's Josh Butler, uh, formerly known as Mr. Mr. when you did that hard dance stuff, yeah. um, but currently smashing it within the sort of house scene. <laughs> yeah, nice one. Um, absolute pleasure to have you on, mate. Probably the biggest guest, I'd say, so far. Oh, cheers, man. Well, you know what? <laughs> I messaged you, didn't I? Because I started watching a few of these yeah. podcasts and um, I was like, yeah, I love what you're doing. Was it was it a nostalgic itch that you, where you've, you've seen it and it's like, I wonder what the, the, that scene's up to nowadays. It, yeah, part it. of it was that. Part yeah. of it was um, the first episode I saw was with Dave Gray, General yeah. Bounce. So he was a mate of mine from back in the day. So... Uh, yeah, I was intrigued to see what he was doing. Was <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolute legend. We had Dave yeah. on a couple of weeks Big ago. Big up Dave Gray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks Dave, you put me on to people. He's actually just messaged me yesterday saying, oh, I've got so-and-so sorted for you because I tried to reach out to somebody and I couldn't get any, any anything back from them. And he's like, oh, I've sorted you. Happy days. Nice one, Dave. <laughs> yeah. That's two great guests. <laughs> but yeah, how are you doing, mate? All right. Good, man. Yeah, it's been a busy week. I can't believe it's Friday already, to be honest. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, I've got a deadline for Kerry Chandler's label. Right. Um, that's due in Monday. Right. It could, it, they, they wanted it today, but I, I can extend it to Monday. Because the thing is, it's coming out on vinyl in June. Right. And because the pressing time is so long, yeah. it takes so long for the plants to, to press these days. They need that that kind of lead up time. So I'm holding you back here. Yeah. <laughs> is that what that, it is? No, um, I need a little break every now and then. I get lost in the little loop, you know yeah. what I mean? And it's good to break out of that. And, um, just saying that, like June is quite. I think what we're in, we're in sort of April, middle of April now. June's quite good for a response time for for vinyl nowadays because because there's only limited places. You see people putting orders, and it's like nine months for pressing. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. So you actually, it's actually pretty good. Um, so as I start off every episode, uh, what did you have for tea last night? Oh, what did I have for tea last night? I had. Do you know what? I had a boss tea last night: sausage, eggs, and chips. Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, How'd you have your eggs? Fried. It was fried. fried. Yeah. No worries, no worries. Class. Um, I just say that's a little icebreaker. Do you know what I mean? Because um, I don't know. I just love food as well. So it <laughs> it's was one a of them. Proper English tea last night. Yeah. Um, obviously, we'll get into your story and stuff like that. But you just came back from New Zealand. Well, you actually went on holiday, but you, yeah. But what's the food like over there in comparison to here? In New Zealand, it's very similar, to be honest. Is Fish it? and chips and like. Um, pies, traditional stuff, like not so. Th they have traditional Maori food, yeah. which is called a hungi, you know, and that's like the, the, the Maori food is like tribal food, you know. So they dig a hole in the ground, they put fish in, um, like palm leaves, and then they bury oh, it and yeah, have yeah, a fire yeah. on top, so it all cooks underneath. Yeah, but I mean, modern New Zealand food, it's very, very similar to it. Yeah, right, okay, that's a, that's somewhere I've never been to be honest with you. But yeah, that's interesting. Uh, so what I'm going to do is, for those who don't know, obviously there might be people watching this who just know you as Josh Butler, the the, the house producer, yeah. um, who you've sort of made a name for yourself within that scene, actually a massive name for yourself. But um, before that, like way, way back when, you were um, doing the hard dance, bounce music and stuff like that. So I just want to ask you, who's Josh? Like where, where did it all start for, for Josh? Um, started in Warrington. 
Right. So I was probably like 10 or 11 when I got introduced to dance music and just fell in love with it, really. Um, was listening to radio shows from like Pete Tong on Radio 1 and Judge Jules and all that, yeah. to also Lee Butler in uh, Liverpool and Radio yeah. City, Plastic Surgery, I was listening to that every week. Um, and obviously he was pushing all like Scouse House and Donk yeah. and stuff. So um, yeah, I got fascinated, especially by like the Donk sound itself. I was like, because when I got into production, couldn't figure out how to make that sound and for yeah. years man i was like fucking how are they doing that do you not think though when you discover how to do it it's like the simplest yeah like, simplest sound it is to make in a in a in a in a, in a like um, a synth yeah it's... yeah but but just generally fascinated by music and technology and mixing them together and then um god it's like how, how do i give you the full extended story here so take as long as you need me i do one question i want to ask when, when you grew up in school what was the the big the big sound was it the donk sound because of what because warrington is was very no it wasn't not in my group of mates anyway no. a lot of my mates we were all skaters yeah right okay. so like my mates were listening to blink 182 and nice yeah nice. limp biscuit and stuff and yeah um i love all that but for me like the, the the dance side of it really like grabbed a hold of me right so um yeah you were the only one in that group sort of thing that there was in i that was one. for a long time yeah i yeah. mean later on they started all coming out and you know when we we're old enough to party everybody got yeah. into it but you understand it then don't you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um so yeah what was i saying so yeah it was probably like between 10 and 12 just like getting into it and playing around with ej and music 2000 on playstation stuff yeah. making a few few tracks on there and then we moved to new zealand as a family and that gave me a lot of time to sit down and like really hone my craft with making music and yeah. i got a copy of reason and cubase and um yeah at the beginning obviously didn't really know anyone over there it took me it took me a while to build a good group of mates so I just make make tunes for ages. What um, sort of years were this? And what, 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 what would have been thirteen when we moved over there. So I was I was in New Zealand from thirteen to seventeen. Yeah. Um, and in that time, uh, yeah, I was learning to produce, and I was still very tuned into the UK scene. Yeah. Because New Zealand music scenes all drum and bass and dubstep, right, and hip hop. So like finding bounce records over there was not it was not happening. <laughs> yeah. So was social media a thing at this point then? Were you were you on socials? No, my MySpace was just taking off. Yeah. But yeah, there was no proper social media. That term wasn't being thrown around. So all. how were you how were you sort of discovering new bounce music then? Um listening to it on online, still listening yeah. to like Lee Butler. Oh um, right, okay, that's interesting. Would have been in the middle of the day there in New Zealand, but it's like <laughs> yeah. Friday night. <laughs> Class. And then I'd order DVDs and CDs and have them posted over. Yeah. So at what point, like between th thirteen and seventeen, did you make a tune where you thought this is actually not not too bad? This. Yeah, it's probably a trance tune because I was making. A, I was only really making trance then. It wasn't really hard house at that point. Right. So. um yeah, made this trance tune and then um, my mate Brendan at school, his brother lived in Auckland and had a radio show, right. which was all drum and bass. But I sent in this tune and I was like, mate, I, I was fucking proud of it. You know, I was buzzing <laughs> off this. So, and he actually played it on the radio. Excellent. Even though he was like, you know, it's quite a bit different to the show, but we're going to play it anyway. That's good. So that was the first taste where I was like, wow, I could, could really do something with this. Yeah. 
Um, have you still got the tune? No, I don't think so. Uh, no, no, I don't Not even, even know locked what it in was. the hard drive somewhere. I've definitely got old tracks from that that the time, era, yeah, but yeah. I don't know about that one specifically. Yeah. Um, did you get any <clears> response <throat> off it at all? No, no, nothing. You just got nothing. played, and that was it. That was it. It was just me and my mum in the bedroom, like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> class, class. So you, you've sort of self-taught yourself while you've been out there. Um, what what changed after that? When is it when you came back and you started like networking with people? Or? Yeah, exactly. So you know, finished school over there, and then it's like you know, you're 17, and it's like, what are you going to do with your life? And I was like, I'd love to give the music thing a go. Yeah. Knew it wasn't going to happen staying in New Zealand. So I moved back here and went to St. Helens College to do a BTEC in mm-hmm. music production. Were your parents supportive of what you were doing? Yeah, the they were. Thing? Yeah. It took a, a while, I think. Yeah. Um, and my dad was always a bit like, oh, I don't know, maybe you should just go and get a trade or whatever. You know, it's, yeah. it's fine. That's what yeah. parents are, for, are yeah. there for. But um, I was like, no, I'm going to take the risk. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> it's good that they back you up though as well because yeah. like, uh, it gives you that that little bit of not. Do you know, some you see some parents and it's um, this they'll uh, maybe sit on your on your back a bit to push you to get a normal life as such because a musician is not necessarily the normal life is it like it's not a you you go to work at nine finish at five it's it's no. not your nine to five sort of job. <laughs> So. No, and it's quite easy to to fail as well. You know, you could, if you put, you put all your eggs in one basket like I did, mm-hmm. there's a very good chance it couldn't have, it might not have worked out. But yeah, yeah, I think that was part of the motivation for me as well. It's like it needs there's no to work. plan B. Yeah. yeah. So when when you came over here and like you came back and stuff like that, what was the the like? You just in your head, you're like, I'm gonna do this. This is this needs to sort of happen. Not really. No. no, I was just like enjoying going to college and meeting more people that were interested in yeah. what I was doing. Or not not even what I was doing. They would they were doing their own thing. Yeah. But just people who were interested in music. And I met a couple of lads who were from Wigan and they were like quite involved with the donk scene and like power records and all that. Yeah. So they they sort of brought me into that a little bit more. Excellent. Yeah, that was really good. And they'd like bring me CDs of all these new tunes that they've got and that. So. Is there anyone of, of, of North who went to the college with you? Of like Yeah, yeah. Well, not in our year, but a couple of years before us, Eddie Halliwell was there. Oh, well. Yeah. Excellent. So, so w- when I found that out, I was like, holy shit, you know, people actually do make it yeah. in the music business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's great. Um, so did you give yourself a time frame of, of like, I'll, I'll, I'll do this for a year, two years, whatever, and then if it doesn't work out, I'll I'll go and get go and get a real job. Yeah, kind of, but it wasn't as like hard and fast as that. Yeah. Um, basically, did three years at that college and then went to university in Leeds to do music technology. Yeah. And I suppose it was like if it doesn't work out by the end of this degree, then we're gonna have to reassess. Yeah, yeah. See, like, I find that quite inspiring. Do you know what I mean? Like, because I never had. The big balls to be able to just go. I'm gonna try and do this and do what I can because you see a lot of people who follow what they want to do in life, and they'll work. I don't know, say like a sub subway job, like part time, just to, to sort of make ends meet and stuff like that with following their dream. And I just think it takes a lot of 
determination to do that type of thing. Do you know, yeah. do you know what I'm coming well, from? Well, I was working those type of part-time jobs as well. Yeah. You know, I was studying and I was working at Argos yeah. and I went through loads of the part-time jobs. Um, and then at the end of university, I mean, a lot happened when I was at uni um, in terms of, like, progression with my career. Yeah. But at the end of that... I started working part-time at this wedding catering company in Leeds. Yeah. So that was like every weekend, maybe two, three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday sometimes. Mm -hmm. It was long shifts, but it was good money. Yeah. So I could afford to just work a few days at the weekend and then produce music all through the week. That's fantastic. That's yeah. fantastic. That was the bridge, really. Yeah, excellent. So where does where does the bounce come into it then? Or the, the, hard, the hard dance scene? At what yeah. point was it? Was it the Wiganers who give you these CDs that... Well, like I said, I was already chipping CDs over from like Liverpool yeah. and that to New Zealand. So yeah. I was I was obsessed with the music, but didn't know anybody in the scene really. Um, so I met those two lads. They, they were dead sound and like introduced me to a few people, mm -hmm. took me to Power Records and first like record shop I've been to that. So yeah. I was like, wow, putting <laughs> tunes on. Like, oh my God, there's, <laughs> there's so much gold in here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, nothing really like to note happened at college. Yeah. Um, yeah, I learned a lot, made some great connections, but nothing like career wise really happened until I got to Leeds. Right. So who was, who was your first connection sort of say to the scene? So like, obviously this before you get your first record signed or before your first gig, what, 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 what came first? Um, forgetting the record sign was the first thing. Right, and how did how yeah. did that connection happen? I think a lot of it was on MSN. Right. Yeah. So thinking back now, um, Matt Dawson. I don't know if you know know him. Name rings a bell. Uh, hard hard dance producer. Yeah, isn't yeah. yeah. Or oh, DJ. He had Encore Records back right. in the day, and he signed my first record. Yeah. Right. So um, what was that? Oh, in fact, I come across this called, I think it was called Back to the Island or something. Yeah, it it's on like a, it's, it's, it's still out. It's yeah, still out it's, there, it's, it? yeah. I think it's still on Beatport. Yeah. So the, what, this must have been, if I've looked at these dates right, I memorise it right, is it 2011, 2012? Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Boom. See, I do, <laughs> I do my research and stuff, mate. You that know what class. I mean? Um, so, yeah. yeah, he would have been my first, like, proper connection or someone who gave me a break. Yeah. You know, and there was also a guy called Freddie, um, who I've never met in person, which Even to is this quite day. weird to this day. Yeah, yeah. He was a lad from Manchester, but we would talk all the time on MSN and he'd always listen to my tunes. He didn't really produce himself, but he was mad into like hard house. Yeah. And he was really interested in what I was doing. And then he introduced me to Matt Dawson and then a few other people and then like started getting introduced to like Andy Whitby and a few other people like that from... Yeah. from that scene right so um were you getting any support on these these tracks that you were doing were you seeing them played out anywhere no not that i know of i was still probably probably wasn't even going out at this point yeah um and there was no social media like there is today so you didn't see videos and that yeah um so i don't know maybe they got played out i've no idea yeah um so the way the way i'm picking it up as now yeah i've always seen somewhere like leeds as a hub of so much culture and 
music. Like a lot of my friends from school went there and they went and a lot of them got into like hip hop, a lot of them got into D&B. And then obviously you've seen the hard house nights that are there. There's there's literally a, some, a bass line was huge in Leeds as well. That was yeah. another thing. Um, it's like a big, massive like boiling pot of music. So is this where it really started? Like this is this person, this is this person. And, yeah, and you were getting your, your, your sort of taste buds filled yeah so like well it went from you know being on msn chatting to these people who i'd never met yeah and then i started going to tidy weekenders right. and i actually got to put like faces to names then right. so like what was your first one first tidy weekend i think it was 12 12 yeah oh. it was a little bit late you know yeah i think it was towards the end of the tidy weekenders really but mm -hmm. loved it man what, Did you? yeah what a time been to quite a few since then <laughs> Um, so when was that the first sort of big stage that you've seen because they do really do the decor and everything on, yeah. the, on the main arena was that the sort of I could be that could be me that sort of, was that the sort of yeah I suppose one? it was yeah, yeah no, no, no. so there also like Global Gathering yeah. Greenfields all yeah. that was going out to these parties a lot and then then I moved to Leeds and um, started to get involved with their scene and met like Sam and Dino yeah tidy djs um cheeky boys yeah um and then yeah was going out to stinky's all the time yeah stinky's peep house rest that, in peace uh ravon was there yeah ravon yeah. yeah and also back to basics which was more house and techno but yeah but amazing night i've just seen a news report on that like two weeks ago maybe that it's 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 going now, isn't it? It's like getting knocked down, is it? If, I, if I'm... I think it's gone. Oh, it's gone? Yeah, I believe it's been knocked down now, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, somewhere I've wanted to go to, but never never had the chance to go. Um... It's a messy little place. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, like, I, when I was getting into the sort of hard dance stuff, I've been in the bounce stuff for years, but when I sort of dipped my toe in that sort of thing, that that rave on and um, stuff like that was popping off in there at the time. And I thought, oh, I'll have to yeah. check that out at some point. Yeah, and they did, did boat parties and stuff as well. So, Excellent. yeah, that was really good, you know, and that was when I was, like, making a lot of hard house at the time and collaborating yeah. with a lot of people. Um, oh, there was another night in Leeds as well called Killer Tracks. Killer Tracks, I can't yeah, have heard of that. that. That was at Beaverworks. They gave yeah. me some of my first gigs. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a guy called Kieran and... A uh, girl called Emma Cheeky Beats, who's <laughs> running that. Right. Um, so then, obviously, you, you mentioned the Cheeky Boys just there. This is where I first heard of you. So this must have been 2012, 2013. Yeah. Uh, you got signed to Cheeky, and you were one of their original artists. This yeah. was pre-Dave Gray, haven't it? So yeah. it would have been Ian and... Andy. Andy, yeah. So how did that come along then? How did you... I think I just met them on a night out, to be honest, and really got on with them. You know, they were a little bit older than me, um, but they really took me under the wing. Like, I'd go around to Andy's house yeah. um, on a Friday night and we'd have a few beers and have a mix. Um, and the, again, they just they just loved it. it. Just We all had a mutual love for that kind of music, which was quite hard to find at that time because... Yeah. It, it did feel like it was dying off a bit. It was a, quite a low point in for all hard dance, really, at that time. Even, like, Wigan Pier closing. Um, the, the lot of the big brands within the bouncing were even... They, were, they weren't getting the turnouts. So yeah. it is known as a, a sort of bit of a 
a dark period. Yeah. Where it's like it's sometimes even with with hard house and stuff like that, I've got friends who are local. Like you wouldn't no one would openly admit to being like Oh, I'm into hard house because it's like, or oh, I'm into bounce because it was like... It's a dirty chaff. word. Yeah, it's a dirty word, it yeah. It was, absolutely. We all <laughs> felt like misfits, you know, going out <laughs> to these nights and sometimes they were dead. Yeah. You know, but but we loved it enough to keep going and Excellent. just support the scene. And then, you know, like the cheeky thing was starting to get some legs and like they got a gig in London, yeah. took me down to play with them in London. Um, Where was that, sorry? I couldn't remember. Right. I think it was um, Elephant and Castle sort of area. Couldn't tell you the club name, though. Right. Um, but, yeah, mate, then, like, I could see what was happening to that scene. And as much as I loved it, it was like, you know, I, I need to make a career out of this as well. Yeah. So I was also going out to things like Basics and Technicolor, all yep. these these house and techno nights. So I started dabbling in that and making some house music. and Right. Uh, so who was your first connection with in the house scene then? Who was your, the one where it was like you've went out and met them or you've talked to them on MSN and they've, they've sort of introduced you to what's what? Yeah, MSN was gone at this point. Right. Or was, I wasn't using it at this point. But okay. I think the first big contact was Darius Sarosian because right. he, he lived like three streets away from me in Leeds. Oh, right. And he was really like making waves at that time. Yeah. Um, I can't say I know who he is, so apologies, but is he a DJ or producer? Yeah, yeah he's a DJ, oh, producer okay. still going now, yeah, he, right. he used to run a record shop in Leeds. Right. Um, yeah, he's gone on to do really well, so he, he helped me out a lot in the early days. Yeah. Um, so you sending him your music at that point and he was giving you feedback or...? Yeah, maybe he was playing them out in Mint yeah. Club and stuff. Oh, and excellent. Yeah, it was it was a really good time. Yeah. Um, yeah, they got got a couple of tracks signed to smaller labels. One of them was Off Recordings, yeah. uh, which was... I was saying that that wasn't even that small at the time. That was one of the first big releases. Yeah. That was probably the biggest release at that time, actually. Um, yeah, Andre Con's label, Off Recordings. That was huge at that time. But it was just a B-side of something else. What but was that, the tune called, sorry? It was called Bass Play. Bass Play. Yeah. It rings a bell. So, yeah, so yeah. That, that did actually like put me on the map a, a little bit. Yeah. And then um, I was sending demos out like mad, you know, I was sending these CDs out to different addresses of labels that I could find here, there and everywhere. And yeah. one of them was MTA, Chasing Status's label. Yeah. Um, didn't hear anything back for a few weeks. And then one day I got a call from Will from Chasing Status. Oh, wow. Saying that he wanted me to invite me to London and uh, he loved the tune. And uh, they wanted to sign it, yeah. And so that was got a feeling that, came out in 2013 and that was kind of the the big break that i've been waiting for excellent mate so did you did you notice it just everything changed for you from there absolutely like, so, yeah. So, yeah excellent because i think a lot of people will be watching this will be watching you as i say who follow you in the house scene it's not like an overnight success thing where state chase states have just found you and that's it you've you've grinded away doing the hard dance stuff and you've you've dabbled in the house bits and that and then that's when the ball started rolling it's not just oh, it was a 10 year yeah. overnight success <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 because it was literally grinding for 10 years with very little happening yeah just being a hobby yeah you know i'd have to a lot of time i was paying to get to gigs and then like wouldn't get they'd agree to pay us something at the end of the night but then you can't find the promoter conveniently oh uh, yeah. you know what i mean i've had that yeah i think we all have but anyway it went from that to then people like actually requesting me to come and it was mm. more, much more legit yeah so what was your your first sort of big gig then what was the, what was the one where you're like 
I've, I think the month or something here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's hard but, to say, like, the, the first big one. But um, I remember I played for Mixmag in London. Right. Um, and, and that was a moment where I was like, oh, shit, I've, I've done something now. Like, yeah. That's you've made, you've one, made waves within for the history really. books, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, go from, like, sort of 2013 to, like, 2014 and stuff like that. Are you just hitting the studio all the time, making new music for the gigs? And it, is that the cycle at that point? It, uh, yeah, kind of. But I actually went the other way. So, like, got a feeling, took off, and had a life of its own yeah and um i didn't really want that kind of commercial success to be honest because we got offers from sony and like all yeah. these crazy offers i was going on radio one doing interviews but i was like hang on a minute was like i don't really want to be a pop star yeah so like let's just pump the brakes a minute and i started writing really underground records again yeah and I, I, for, for a while i was trying to figure out how to get donks into <laughs> house music you can it? hear it in your tunes even yeah, now yeah. uh I've, I've obviously looked through your back catalogue and according to spotify your biggest tune is the your remix of car cox i want you forever yeah um and even on that one when it yeah, kicks yeah. the dogs there i was like <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you have to squeeze it in somewhere but so yeah after i got a feeling i went right back underground and um did something called no frills mm -hmm. no frills dub um how how did people um respond to that if you don't mind me asking, so you've you've obviously done got a feeling it's got you a bit of notoriety, but then you pull as you say pulling back and going to the underground. How yeah. did how were people responding to that? Really well. Oh, were there? Yeah, really, really well. well. Yeah, I mean, so it was on Kerry Chandler's label. He was like, yeah. you know, pioneer of deep house, yeah. um, very very well respected guy in in the house music scene. So to me, for me to be associated with him was was massive. You know, mm -hmm. it gave me a lot of credibility where it could have gone from like. O overnight success with got a feeling yeah and then fizzled out yeah but but i think um bringing it back to like more credible underground music was definitely the right move excellent mate i love it i really love that like it just shows you're quite a humble guy as well do you know what i mean like if you don't mind me saying that no um, i appreciate that yeah but it goes to show that like just because your tune's blown up you don't need to become a wanker <laughs> do, you know, do, you know, do you know where I'm coming from? Yeah. Uh, as as, as blunt as that is. Do you know I didn't I mean? enjoy having like, you know, that sounds contradictive now because I'm doing one now, but like interviews all the time. Yeah. Like I had, I remember Red Bull wanted to interview me after a, a set at a festival and I was shitting my pants, mate. I was like, <laughs> I didn't end up putting it out because yeah. I looked so nervous on camera. I was like, no, <laughs> can't do this. I love that on the tick box. It didn't do the Red Bull interview, but he did the It's Time Refresh No, I'm only joking, mate. I'm only joking. Um, I, but you I, know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not that type of guy to yeah. be like out in the public eye or whatever. So I think to... I, I was into club music so mm -hmm. it was like go right back underground i want to be in a dark room playing beats on a fat sound system that's what it was that's always what about love. yeah love that. so yeah um big moment for you really you, you caught the the deep house um boom as well that that yeah. sort of time because it was great timing really yeah because it was it was massive commercially but it also put a lot of eyes on the underground sort of deep house scene. I, I remember like you going to any sort of club anywhere in the country and deep was the, the cool thing. It's, yeah. uh, do you know what I mean? Like it's the, it, it was the in thing of that time. So you've, you've definitely just timed everything perfectly. Yeah. Well, and actually now, like you could argue underground isn't even a thing at all anymore. Yeah. You know, things like 
Elro, they yeah. play that kind of music or solid grooves. Yeah. They play all that kind of music, but it's it's a, it's a massive industry now. You know, they play huge festivals. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows all the DJs' faces. So it's kind of evolved into what I wanted to avoid anyway. Yeah. It's just like with social media, it's unavoidable. Yeah. I think it, I think this is this is just my personal view, but I remember when I used to buy the CD packs um, or the the compilation CD, say like a, whether it be like a bounce one where it'd be like a recorded night live or whether it be a cream CD where it's just a compilation. You were like, oh, this is mixed by, say, Judge Jules and... I would like hunt to see just what that person looks like. So I can put name to face. Yeah. So I'm buying mixed mag, right? That's so-and-so, that's so-and-so. But when you get the underground CD packs, it's like, who's this person? Who's this person? And it's like, when you meet them in person, it's like, oh, you're the person I've listened to for all this time. Yeah, exactly. Whereas now you go on social media. Right? You can send him a message. Yeah. Well, Josh Butler, come and, oh, that's who that is. Right. Okay. I'll keep an eye out for him when, when he's on at the club. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that has pros and cons, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, it's been amazing for my career as well, having, having social media. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mate. <laughs> and, and so that's what, what was a big sort of turning point for you there, do you think? Yeah. Yeah. And then for the next few years, like I just did try and keep it really underground and I was working yeah. with people like Sydney Charles and Sante and, um, uh, Yoris Vaughan, who I'm still working with now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and these are all like techno, tech house producers. Do you find do you find that the way it for them few years it was the, there was just opportunity after opportunity because you you you've you've set this path. People know what you're about. People know the Josh Butler sound and what he's yeah. about. So then they would come to you. Whereas before when you're like messaging, hand the demos out, nobody knows who you are necessarily, but now they know your you sound, that draws their energy to you. Does that make sense? Absolutely nailed it. Like yeah. people like Ellie Golden's management were coming to me for remixes. And, right. Um, Fatboy Slim did a remix for him. Yeah. The Carl Cox one. So yeah, I think crafting that sound <clears throat> and those years, like if you go and listen to No Frills dub, yeah. that is me cracking the mixture between donk and underground house music. And I was like, yes, fucking nailed it now. So I tried to stick with that sound and I think that's what people got to know me for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the kind of minimal, like hollow bass sound, Yeah, very dance floor driven music. Do you, I know this is going to sound so maybe counterproductive because obviously you're still writing music now, but do you look back at what you were doing then and think, fuck me, I had some good ideas then. Yeah. I do that all the time. It's weird, isn't it? Well, I'll like, go back to them now and like try and re reinvent the ideas because yeah. I've got a lot of stuff sat there that never got finished. Yeah. So if I'm stuck for an idea, you know, currently, I'll just go back through the folders and uh, yeah. there's tons of stuff sat there that I've never finished, just little loops. <laughs> Excellent, mate. Um, as I say, I've talked with you off camera. We talked that you done that you've done the courses online where you you can actually watch you make tunes, and then if you want to, you can plug your Patreon now if you want. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, yeah. Got, I've gone from doing those courses to starting Patreon. Yeah. So yeah, just like me noodling around in the studio, mm -hmm. recording the sessions, and then uploading it there. There's a nice little community growing on there now. That's fantastic. I love, I love that. It's 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 what I do with this. It's it's you've you've got them fans who genuinely appreciate you and want to, your content, and it's not being driven by a brand. It's not being driven by um, 
any sponsors or anything like that. It's just you to them, and that's yes, it. That's exactly, the, yeah. And I love that. Yeah, because uh, you know, I get people messaging me on Instagram all the time, like, "Can you listen to this tune? Can you do this for me? That for me?" And you know, I'd love to help everyone, but I have my own shit to do in the week as well. Yeah. So, the Patreon gives me uh, an opportunity to like help people, but for them to give me a bit back for my time. Yeah, you know oh, what I mean? absolutely. It's, yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, so you launched that about three, four weeks ago, was it? Yeah, Something like yeah. that. Uh, and obviously it's just in its infancy at the moment and it's growing, but yeah. uh, how you find finding it, having that community there and having sort of recording yourself, obviously you're saying you don't like the interviews and stuff like that. So, uh, no, well, I think I've grown, I've grown into that now, Yeah, you know, years of doing it. Like the Red Bull one was just, I think I got overwhelmed because I'm like, oh my God, it's Red Bull, like... And it's the first big people, one as well. Yeah, it was it? the first yeah, big yeah. one. I was like, oh my God, so many people are going to see this. And I just <laughs> shit my pants. <laughs> Amazing. But, but, but now, you know, I've done that many of them and built it up. M me just sitting, talking to the camera and making it's tunes, it's natural now, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I want to ask as well, obviously we were talking about things starting to take off there. When, when did, it's, it's a really, really stereotypical question this, but when did the Ibiza thing happen? When did you first go there? When was the... When was the internationals starting to take off? Yeah, good question. Uh, my, my memory's a bit foggy, man, from all the parties. But <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it probably would have been about 2015, something right. like that. Right. Um, maybe even 2014. I think the first gig I got played for Ministry Sound at Eden. Right. Excellent, man. Yeah, so that, and then it just grew from there. I started going back every, every year and... Um, Eventually got residencies. Yeah. Had a residency at Sankey's for a few years for tribal sessions. Excellent. What What was the first year you did it? If you don't mind me asking. For the first year I did the, the, the residency, residency, maybe two thousand sixteen, something Excellent. like that. Yeah, Excellent. maybe seventeen. Do you find the crowd different out there to playing in England for in clubs in England, sort of sort of say? It, well, it's a mix in it because I mean a lot of it is English people there anyway, yeah. but you do get a lot of Italians. Um, and a yeah. lot of Spanish, and and they love it. Yeah, they party, especially yeah South Americans as well. They they party differently. Yeah, I have found that when you when you play abroad, and even if it's it's um, British people who's there, British people's mindset changes. They're more open minded. You can play more club driven stuff. Yeah. Whereas when you're here, it's sometimes it's, you've got to keep it on the cusp of something they'll know, but like drifting and out. Whereas yeah. there. They're there on say if say it was a beefer for instance you're they're there on the island they've paid that entry into that club you're playing yeah underground bangers absolutely yeah they're they're all more open minded there definitely yeah. um, and again same in South America you mm -hmm. can play whatever you want you can play the most obscure records and how did you end go up off. going out that way then was that just through the growth of going out to say like a beefer or and being in the UK and stuff like that how did because you are a busy person when it comes to regards to travel. You seem yeah. to be a bit... I think my, my, my sound just translates really well to that part of the world. You know, South America's always been really big for house and especially like progressive people mm -hmm. like Sasha and Digweed. Mm -hmm. They do really, really well in South America with that sound. Um, so yeah, that, that translated really well and just started getting... It just grows, it just snowballs. You know, mm -hmm. you do one weekend a year in South America, then more people hear you mm -hmm. and then more promoters hear about you mm -hmm. and then um started going to north america yeah and like that's 
that's really going off now for house and techno in, in North America. It's really grown on them as well, hasn't it? Yeah. They've, they've developed their own branch of it as well. They it's have. like, it's almost as if house music was made there, came to England, and then went back there, but yeah. they've just like re-evolved it again. You're right, you're, you're absolutely right, yeah, because yeah. they had the EDM bubble thing, didn't they? And yeah. the EDM was huge over there, and then that burst, and they started digging a bit deeper. Yeah. So... There's now a crossover, you know, people like Fisher and Chris Lake, yeah. they sit right in the middle of that EDM and underground. I see when you, because obviously I, I, I've, I've got this mindset of you can never know too much. I think I can produce a, a, a track to a certain level, but I'm always, always looking for like, oh, how does Josh make tunes? Or how does this person make tunes? How does this make so then I'm always looking online and you see like producers, do you know, um, oh, I'll say this, I'm thinking now my mind's going to Um Zen World, do you know? Have I you don't. Um, he's, he does online tutorials online. Right. And he's, he's um, I want to sound so wrong if I'm wrong. I think he's a Hispanic guy, but he lives in America. Okay. And he's pro he's producing stuff and he's clearly in that underground American scene, but he's got it, it, everything that he's producing. You can He's pulling it from, say, Europe or like it's all over and you can see how they're incorporating our British sound or say European sound and making it into their own. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But it's funny, isn't it? Cause I look back to the original American sound of house music from yeah. the late eighties, early nineties. And that's where I get my influences from with people like Marshall Jefferson and yeah. Todd Terry and that. It's all one big circle. Though, isn't it, it is. Of course that's it is. Yeah. What it is. Um, have you had any of your, your house heroes reach out to you and be like, I like this, or, or you've seen them support it. Yeah, well, such. you know, one better than that, really. I actually did a collaboration series when I launched my label. I have a label called Origins Records. Yeah. So to launch that, you know, it was all about celebrating the roots of house music and, yeah. and the pioneers. So I did a collaboration series with some of these, like, OGs. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen it, yeah. It's yeah, brilliant. so Marshall, like, turns out Marshall Jefferson lives in Manchester. Yeah. So I went and met Marshall, went for Pizza Express with him, which was quite <laughs> surreal. <laughs> <laughs> the most, like, amazing upmarket thing ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Two for one Wednesdays with, <laughs> with Marshall. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, like, so I did a tune with him and then one with Todd Terry and... Kerry, who I'd already worked with at that point. How do you find it when you are working with these people? Uh, by the way, I didn't know you did do that. I just wanted to get onto that the, yeah, the label yeah, subject. Um, how did you find it when you were working with these people that um, I'm going to sound? It's going to sound odd, but you you weren't replicating their sound, but you were you were taking a lot of inspiration from them. Yeah. And now it's come full circle. You're sitting in the studio with them, writing with them. Yeah. So so how how was how you say? I know it's surreal, but it's is it well i think because I, I, I was tuned into to the younger generation you know marshall's must be in his 60s now yeah so um at the time like a lot of the, the kids that were going out and partying and raving they didn't know anything about the roots of it really Marshall yeah. they didn't know it's only the diehards who really do know do they? Yeah, yeah exactly so so like my idea for the label was to try and bridge that gap that generational gap yeah and um it was a you know, mutually beneficial thing because they got some of my fans and mm -hmm. I got credibility from working with them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, see, when you're sitting there and you're writing a tune, do the, as you say, they are of the older generation now, do they, are they still as inspired when you, they're, they're getting in the studio with you? Are they still as um, driven 
to get them grooves going as they want us to work. Yeah, well, Marshall especially had a lot of good ideas um, yeah. around vocals. I remember he had these choir vocals that he'd, he'd yeah. been sat on for a while and didn't didn't really know what to do with them. So I helped him produce a track around those vocals. Excellent. Yeah, it's called In Time, if anybody yeah. wants to check that out. Go and check it out. Go yeah. support him. Every player counts on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so you, you were talking about uh, Origins. Um how did that come about? What was the, what made you think, oh, I need to do this? Does... Because I think, because I was starting to get to know a lot of these people and I really got on with that older generation of DJs. Yeah. Like we had a lot of the same core values about it, it being very musical driven. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that that was the calling really. Like I was bumping into to Kerry and Todd yeah. four or five times a year. So I was right. like, right, the, you know, these are becoming my mates now. Yeah. Like, I see them all the time on the road. So, yeah, I wanted to help promote, like I said, the the origins of the music. Yeah. Just, I don't know, really. It just felt like the right time. Excellent. Um, I love that. I love, I love that it went full circle for you as well. It's like, it's sort of unimaginable because obviously with, with all anyone who's a really like diehard lover of electronic music they'll have all seen all the documentaries and everything of like when they started and they, and they yeah. like the way they did it where they were just making tunes for radio and it was it was a very diy yeah. scene and to be able to get in the studio with them and them see what it's became and how far it's traveled like that's another thing when it becomes to travel when you've went over to america or as you say south america is it not a, a a weird feeling that when you're there you come out and like these people know who your music already and it's maybe somewhere you've never been in the world does that make sense like yeah i don't know if it's a weird feeling it's like quite a, a warming and um, a welcoming feeling because yeah. you know you go somewhere if you can't speak the language as soon as you start playing you're tuned in with them, you know, and there could be thousands of people there and oh, you're on music the same is wavelength. universal, isn't it? It's like universal language, isn't it? Yeah. 100%. So that's been like um, really reassuring actually sometimes. Yeah, that, it's fascinating. I, I love I love the fact that y your music's getting that far into like non-English speaking worlds as well. Like that, that for me, is, it must be a surreal, I guess, a real feeling. Yeah. I mean, it is, yeah, it's, it's amazing. That, yeah. I mean, the, the power of the internet has, has definitely helped with that. This is going to be a random question, but is there a track that's maybe sort of bigger in one, uh, say, say, South America than than there is in the UK? Like Of, of my tracks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I, Oh, God, I actually don't know, man. You don't that's know? a tough question, yeah. <laughs> I just know that I can be a lot more versatile when I'm in places like south america because right. you usually play for longer as well yeah you know it's not unknown for me to do eight hours in south america sometimes that's great Dumb, I love yeah, that. or more I love so that. so you can really dig into your collection and play some wacky records and they go off when you play there when just say you've done one of these longer sets maybe not eight hours say it's safe like anywhere anywhere that longer than an hour yeah do you find yourself at a, a starting point and going on a on a proper journey do you like speed up the bpms or yeah, slow yeah, them down totally or, yeah i'm yeah. probably thinking an hour and I'm, someone described it to me as like playing chess once he's yeah. like you're not djing bro you're playing chess <laughs> or something like that yeah and i was like it's a quite a good analogy really because it's a psychological warfare isn't it yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like well the short term i'm thinking three four records ahead like yeah. this one's going to go into that one which will lead into this one quite nicely yeah. but then in an hour or in two hours where do we want to be 
musically, like yeah. genre wise. So it's the, how do we like transition to that as seamlessly as possible? Yeah. Um, and then where you start and where you finish is two completely different sort of yeah can be places. yeah which is wild because when I was playing bounce it was like three minutes a track you know what I mean bam mm-hmm. bam bam fading like Andy yeah. Whitby and <laughs> <laughs> I, you don't see many other DJs uh, up and down the volume like that um, do you not no uh, not, not in house music oh though, not in house. You? No, 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 no. it's a very gradual groovy thing isn't it yeah so, it, is, it is but whereas you see them in the hard house especially the hard house scene when they play the sort of NRG filthy hoovers. Yeah. You see them and they're dropping, they're dropping it and it's like, whoa. With all the fills in the tracks, yeah. drop it out for a bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love all that as well, though. Yeah. <laughs> Hammering the effects as well. It's yeah. just, it's it's two different worlds, really, when you think about it. But I think age has probably played a part in me, like, slowing down the tempo as well and being more patient with DJ sets and stuff. Yeah. You know, I couldn't have stayed at 150 BPM and, like, but chopping all the time. I couldn't, yeah. couldn't be doing that 10, 15 years later. Oh, yeah, you'd have arthritis by now. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so we'll sort of move on from, from that sort of section and, and move up to sort of like, we'll go like 2018, 2019, 2020, just before COVID. Yeah. You really started to like blow up. Like, I think, uh, don't mind me saying, this is when the social media game came in and you, you, you could see that you were growing as an artist massively. You could see... You'd post a picture here, there, and everywhere of what you, where you were, and what yeah, you were. Yeah, I was travelling a lot at that yeah. time. Yeah. So how was that for you then? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, like you said, 2018, 2019, and then 2020. I had an amazing year planned for 2020. Yeah. Like pretty much the whole summer was planned out, gigs, tours, whatever. Was, yeah. And then obviously, COVID happened, and um, yeah, mate, it just everything stopped. So life changed a lot for the for the next few years, really. Yeah. Did you find yourself, I know, I've know i asked a lot of producers who's came on here the same question, did you find yourself writing COVID music? Uh, Do you know where I'm at? Kind of, like? yes. Yeah. I started another alias right. at that time because I didn't want to be like, oh, okay, write COVID music under my, my own name because yeah. hopefully it ain't going to last forever. Yeah. Um, so I started this alias called Denton, right. which was more about collaborating with singers and songwriters. Right. So... Um, yeah, we got a lot of support, actually, me and the singers from Danny Howard on Radio 1. Right. He signed most of the tracks <clears throat> to his uh, his label, Nothing Else Matters. Right. So that that was more like song-based, radio-friendly, uh, more commercial dance music. Yeah, excellent. Uh, I, I always ask that because a lot of people's sound changed during it because they were making pe- tunes for people in the bedrooms. It wasn't, it wasn't for people in the clubs because there was no club clubs yeah. open yeah exactly and and i was doing that but i didn't yeah. want to do it under my own name so yeah. i started this other thing so what was the the josh butler earliest ha- what was happening during covid were you i don't think there was a lot happening to be honest right okay i did a few weeks maybe a month of like writing tunes for josh butler yeah um and then i just ran out of ideas and momentum because all, all my inspiration was coming from gigs yeah <clears throat> so like i'd come back from a weekend of of amazing gigs and i'd be fired up to make more tracks because you've seen what's what's working on the dance floor and yeah uh, yeah yeah just in tune with with that that vibe mm-hmm. and then um yeah obviously like a few weeks of not going out <clears throat> and not socializing i was living on my own at the time as well so mm-hmm. it was like just started climbing the walls, really. <laughs> yeah. It was wild. I was like, the last thing I want to do is make dance music. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a good idea to have that little spin-off, though. I think that's that's 
yeah quite, uh, yeah it helped me a lot actually just like having online sessions with these singers yeah and getting out of that that dance floor headspace and going into something more radio friendly and yeah it works we've got some good plays on radio one from from danny yeah that's excellent mate that's excellent so as clubs and everything start to open back up after covid did you feel like you had to build that momentum back up that you'd you'd been working on prior yeah yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot changed. Like, there's a as said before, there's a lot of TikTok DJs now. Yeah. Um, and and I I sort of fell out of love with it. It took me a while to to get to get hungry for it again. I think, but yeah, yeah definitely definitely more motivated now than I have been in the past three years. I've found obviously you've got schedules and stuff like that with releases and stuff. But I found it was only maybe the second half of 2022 where you started hearing club music again yeah because there was obviously a backlog of stuff that people have produced in lockdown and it's been brought out and brought out and then as you say it'd be like tiktok tunes where it's like short attention span tunes and stuff like that exactly. and then now the club music thing's starting to come back in like yeah for the last six months eight months do, do, do you think that like this the revolution of bounce and this new wave of donk and that yeah. do you reckon that's a backlash from all the chilled stuff from covid now that we're like tempos are high and it's, the energy's high again in music, people want something more banging. Um, I I don't. I, I'll be honest no. with you. No, I don't. I know a lot of people will think that, but my my opinion's different. I think it's because. Do you not think when you see all these young producers who are sort of breaking out now, and it's like they wouldn't have had somebody to say that's not right. You don't. We don't do house music like that in clubs when you see like you'll always see somebody who's a peer who's been around longer than you have and they're like they'll they'll give you feedback on tunes and stuff like that if you played it out they'll be like it's not really something we do yeah. whereas people are more experimental and they don't know they're doing that's a good not, point not wrong but they're doing just differently. differently yeah yeah so when you hear a, a donk bass line in a, in a in a house tune it's like somebody's just made that in the room because they don't know any different yeah yeah and i think that's what's happened there and, and there's I think, a lot of nostalgia around it as well isn't there yeah it, it, it does get its little booms every couple of years it's like a little spike of like people just just having a little reliving the youth a little bit yeah, maybe yeah yeah there's a lot of that isn't there yeah um but that's what i think's happened i think that you've seen these artists come along now who've putting donks in the tunes and the speed in it up as well it's like 140 now like massively yeah and i think it's because they've sat in their room and thought this sounds good rather yeah. than someone say to them yeah i that's think you should right. do it like this yeah and yeah it's like oh one two five is what we do yeah. it's like oh, i'll do whatever feels right yeah and if it, if it works on dance floors that's what yeah. i was saying before you test it out at the weekend and yeah i mean it long may it last <clears> but I, I don't know if it, if it will it, it's trends it comes and goes right. i think there's always going to be a cycle of where i think there'll be a big boom in deep house music again whether it's next year or next 10 years i think there's going to be one where it's prominent again same goes yeah. for tech i think tech will is, is on a downwards thing but i think it will come back stronger yeah. and i think you're right it's just it happened with minimal and you know, with garage. New disco. Yeah, <laughs> like, garage. Yeah, garage. I remember um, when I first started out DJing, um, it, it's up north, um, I think garage was a very, oof, like, you don't want to be associated with that. Right. And then, oh, you see all these cool kids who's on it now, and it's like, yeah. oh, okay. Right. And, then, and then that'll die down. And then the next. Different interpretations yeah. of that sound as well, innit? It's, yeah. Like, look, that minimal garage is really trendy now. Yeah. Um, and as I say, the, the, 
one minute it'll be cool, but next minute it won't be. But just stick to what you like and it'll work. And hopefully the, these guys who are, who are doing bits at the minute with the, the 140 sort of pumping sound, hopefully they stick at that as well. Yeah. And that, that becomes their scene. Definitely. Yeah. It's like... Um, so do you know the history of like tech house and stuff like that like where it originates and stuff yeah um like terry francis and yeah yeah and the, so the fabric like fabric guys yeah so it's like it was it was it croydon in london i think yeah or, or that area so yeah, he's south a, london south london Fa fabric yeah. was a massive part of it yeah so if you listen to the records they were putting out it doesn't sound like what tech house is today it's very it's very musically and it's fed. There's it's a, there's a lot, it's quite rolling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Quite tribally. Yeah, but and then you listen to what it's evolved to today. There's, that's just that's. I think that, in my opinion, I think it's just spikes of interest. Yeah, and people are jumping in on or hearing it for the first time, doing their interpretation of it, and that's what it becomes. And then that, and then as as times went by. That's what it's evolved into. So who's to say that bounce won't evolve into a one forty scene with a a, a clubheads inspired sound and stuff like you might disappear the 150 might disappear i don't know you just don't know yeah. do you i would love to see it anyway if all that <laughs> came back and stayed yeah. it's interesting isn't it yeah man um so what before we move on to the questions and stuff what was the um what are you up to at the minute what's the what's the plans going ahead i know plans change and uh, always but what have you got confirmed that's coming up for yeah. you within the next months to the summer yeah um so a US tour gonna be over there for two weeks. Excellent, mate. Where yeah. you going? Um, so, LA, right. San Diego, um, or Montreal, Canada. Right. Do, doing the Grand Prix in Montreal, which is a <laughs> wild one. That's a that's a random one. Definitely. Random, mate. Yeah, We're yeah, playing yeah, yeah. that with Duke Demont, so yeah. that'll be cool. What's the California scene like then? So, because you say you got to San Diego, yeah, it's really that. good. Is it's it really really good at the moment? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, they're right into it. And plus, it's right on the border of Mexico, isn't it? So, yeah, um, yeah the Mexico scene's really, good, really strong as well. Yeah. Um, so what else? I mean, yeah, a few other cities in, in America. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> but also got Elro and Ibiza. That'll yep. be a big one. Excellent. Um, it always looks like bang in there. Like, yeah, it's, it's mad in it. Yeah. All like actors on stilts and <laughs> everybody's dressed up. Yeah. There's confetti everywhere. Big production values. Yeah, massive. So, yeah. Um, and it seems to be it's, it's that that some the summer vibes and everything like that. That's the central hub. That everything around Ibiza during the summer. It's always one that stands out as well when you see it. Yeah, well, it works really well on social media as well, doesn't it? Cause yeah. it looks so amazing. Yeah, it's very like Instagrammable. <laughs> yeah, as, as sad as that is, it's, it's true. That's isn't part it? Yeah. of the success it's of it. Part yeah. of it. But yeah. El Rowe's actually been going since the eighties, I believe. I think that family have been in the entertainment business forever. There's like generations of them being in entertainment. Yeah. Um, it was like started as like a circus act. Right. And then they morphed that with dance music and it, <laughs> it works it works, it works. Yeah. yeah yeah um anything else coming up uh, have you got any um, any releases due out yeah or? release on defected in june excellent that's always a good one yeah um focusing a lot on origins this year as well fantastic man. Um, I like that. So, so we're doing do you know ade in october yeah in amsterdam yeah so we're doing a showcase um, oh, origins and rejected uh, like a joint label yeah. party together Excellent, mate. So, do you go out for ADE for the the full um, the full thing? I will this year. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you been, you've been before then? Yeah, yeah. 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 Most so, years. Didn't um, go last year, but yeah, been pretty much every other year. How do you find that then? Because obviously, Hectic. 
a lot <laughs> a lot of because because there's a lot of insider industry people there. I would say you're probably quite recognisable as well. Yeah. When you when you're out and about. Yeah, man. I mean, the whole industry's there. So you you, you just walk down the streets and you see everyone do you mm -hmm. know what i mean you'll see djs or people who work at labels and yeah. agents and managers it's the the place for the music industry like the music industry takes over amsterdam for the week yeah in the day it's all meetings and um like uh lectures and showcases of new maybe like roland would have like a, yeah we've got a new drum machine coming out yeah and then the night time big, big marketing thing as well yeah, it? yeah 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 massively and then at the night time it's all like parties and raves in old warehouses and stuff is ace one thing i've seen with it as well because because there's a lot of aspiring producers djs um even singers and uh anyone in the industry there's like even managers who's looking for or label owners who's looking for new talent yeah and it's like you'll see that you, you, you see these parties and a lot of them aren't drinking a lot of them are like seeing who's popping and what, what's going on and yeah. like you, i think that that's amazing, like how the Europeans do it as well. Like I went to um, a techno rave in in Berlin, and I I was just because I sort of taught really uneducated mind of oh it must be just like a British rave and you just go in and that's it. You go in and there's a lot of people there who's not drinking. They're just there and they're just analysing the music. Like the, yeah, totally. It's it's they're not like raving like a Brit like British people would. The obviously you have got that group, but there's a lot of. Um, a lot of people who are, are aspiring artists and, and they're seeing how people are DJing or what sounds work on the dance floor and, and you can see them assessing it and yeah, I'm just, just mind-blowing. being inspired and being in the environment. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I've done a lot of that myself over yeah. the years. I mean, I wasn't always sober, but yeah. I'd often just like stand there and take it in, you know, and soak it all up. Yeah. That's when you get back to the studio on Monday morning. And you're like... you got all your inspiration. Yeah. I'm the same. I do. I still do it now. Like... I'll purposely like if I've got a gig and because I'm I'm not a I don't go out partying or anything like that I'm I've, I've sort of retired myself from that um, quite early on uh, I'm I'm all or nothing type person so it's like one of them if you if you go in you go in like yeah. it's going hard and that's not a good lifestyle for me no um, <laughs> I don't think it's good for anyone <laughs> yeah all day every day yeah so um, when when I go to gigs now I'll I'll go like a couple hours before. And I'll I'll just see what 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 people other people are up to because obviously you can listen to as much music as DJs are putting out and stuff like that. But you, when you're seeing it on the dance floor and you're seeing oh that works yeah right, okay oh that doesn't work I thought that would have worked and like in, yeah. in just it's the more psychology it's side of it. To, oh totally, mate. I say that to to some people when I try and describe what I do. Yeah. You know, someone who's not in music. Yeah. I'll always try and say there's like a lot of crowd psychology that goes on, mm -hmm. and sometimes I like. Really? Yeah, the I'm thing like, if they look yeah, at you is. is you're backwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, a lot, of, a lot of people. You see some like there's a, a young guy uh, who's who's bought a set of techs I work with, and he's he's going right. I want to be a DJ. I want to do this, and in his head, it's like oh, like because he's saying to me, he's like, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you play this tune? Because uh, he sent me like a mix of like uh, it was. 10 tracks or something like that and every one of them don't get me wrong they're all bangers but it's just all bangers and it's like why would you not play that everyone play that set and it's like you need to understand that there's a if you're at a party and you just played them 10 bangers how many times have they been played in that night yeah how, or how are you are you burning the crowd out or yeah and do you know what like, t talking of burning the crowd out like mm. when i was playing at beaverworks back in the day that night yeah. i told you about um you know i was doing all my mr mr stuff at like 150 and but they put me on early Right. And um, 
I'd still stick to what I was doing. And that that uh, yeah. like, pissed a few people off. But I, I wasn't just playing like every banger that everyone else had. I was yeah. playing tunes that I'd made. Yeah. Because I, you know, obviously wanted to test them out. But yeah, some people used to like be like, fuck yeah, I can't believe you're playing that shit. At, it's at the just, start it's of just the young, night. isn't it? That's all it is. Young and naive. I was young and that was what I was, yeah. in, that was what I was into and producing. So. Mm -hmm. You know, later did start to respect the warm up a lot more. Yeah, but um, it's other way for me now, though. Yeah, I, I'm at the thing. I play quite a lot of warm. -up for, I prefer the warm up of anything in in the bounce scene because obviously it's a, a fast paced scene. Yeah, I play my music 140 to 145 max. Nice really. One. So when I'm playing, when I'm playing at 140, people are like, "Come on." Uh, it's, yeah. it's, I'm getting looked at funny as if to say well that's fine then and if they're ready yeah. happy days yeah, sometimes I'll be playing to an empty room yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. 150 but I was like oh, I made this last week I wanted to test it out there's nothing <laughs> honestly I've done that myself mate I've played to an empty room right and there's nothing I don't care if there's house DJs out there watching this right you've not experienced experienced failing as a DJ until you've played faster music whether it be bounce or hardcore right playing to a room of no one and just hearing a reverbed dance <laughs> back in the face. It's so true. It's like, it's because you can play, you can play a house and it's quite groovy and you might just, it's just, it's just. Yeah, it can be soulful and cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there could be no one there and you could just sort of, whatever. Yeah. If, you're, if you're playing 150 plus music, right, and there's nobody there, all you can hear is the reverb of the donk back off the wall and it's like, yeah. There's no, <laughs> Do you know what I'm going the, from? There's no swagger to don't really, is there? No, Whereas no. You, you can get away with playing house to empty rooms because it's cool and like groovy. Yeah. Whereas donks just fucking driving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's like it's when you say I I, I always admire um, Pasha Ibiza. Do you know like it's like the sunset and it's a bit chilled out and everyone's just there and the, and the music's playing as the sunset. It's all. It's all magical. Yeah. You couldn't do that with bounce music. No right? way. No, and and it's one of them things as well. It, it, it's, it, I imagine it would be the same feeling to if you pulled out a big massive bass line and slammed it in there. The look that you would get it would be the same feeling as as donk DJs get when they play to an empty room. <laughs> and as I say, they're just looking. You just looking, thinking, what everyone's offended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're just getting the dirtiest looks ever. <laughs> but yeah mate um, we'll just move on to the questions now if that's okay it, unless yeah. you've got anything else to plug no no I'm game for questions I'm intrigued, <laughs> uh, I'm intrigued to see what people have been asking um, yes so they don't know who the guests are coming on so these are just questions for the pod cool um, basically the way this, this this works is I put it out on the Patreon and I put it out in the community group online saying questions for the podcast it could be anything at all but a lot of them sort of link to previous episodes and it's or a lot of them are food related, a lot of them are music related and a lot of them are travel related. That tends to be what we talk about on the podcast. Uh, if you've got any po uh, questions for the podcast, um, get on to us at Instagram at, at it's time to refresh uh, and just drop us a message um, of your question. And if you want it anonymous, just put anonymous at the end because as I say, a lot of people don't want uh, um, the questions asked. Um, a lot. Of, we've had a, a, some feedback ones where it's like people who starting out and they want advice from, and it's like they don't necessarily want their name to be thrown in the mix. Oh, yeah. So that that's essentially why. Or if you do want your name, or if you, if you want a stupid name like some people write, then go for it. So first question. Uh, oh yeah, Brad. That's what they've wrote. I've just that's what they've said. Yeah. If you if you could give one piece of advice to yourself from ten years ago regarding music, what would it be? And that's from Joe Reed. So what what music what 
advice would you give to yourself in 2013 that, that you wish you knew, that you know now? Um, always get a music lawyer to look at your contracts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you've been stung. <laughs> I mean, a yeah. lot of people have. Yeah. Most, most people have, you know. Yeah. So anyone who's getting contracts and that, anyone who's starting to make some waves, mm -hmm. yeah, just get someone who knows what they're talking about to look over what you're signing. Yeah, that's 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 a very very good um, point. I won't drop names, but I know some some um, friends have have recently got contracts, and they are now very frustrated. Uh, I need to word this without sounding thing. Um, they're very frustrated that they can't put any music out now. It's coming up to the summer, and they're ready to put out stuff, and they've been told to hold back oh, on everything. That's bad that. Um, and. Yeah, they've got like an exclusive deal or something. Yeah, so they don't want because I think the, what what's happened is they've signed a contract and the 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 label that's took them on it wants to mould their image. They want to. Do you know where I'm coming yeah. from? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's never a good place to be. Yeah, but I think it's because they've had a big tune and then yeah, yeah they it's want one, more. The label wants another one. Yeah, but you can't go and throw out tunes without their approval. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which it's it's it's. If they knew they were getting into that, I don't know if they would have took the same situation. Yeah. So anyway, um, that that's the best bit of advice I could could give anyone. That's fantastic, mate. Um, that's something for those who are watching it who are you're not your common listening, your raver listening to it. We do get a, a few ravers who do listen to it, but at the same time, inside the knowledge where it's like that's so helpful to those who need to hear it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that obviously only applies to, to people artists, producing yeah, yeah, and want to yeah, yeah, yeah. want to make something of it. You know, absolutely. Um, my ten years ago is um, just take your time and don't force things to do it all at once. Where it's like I need to do this because someone else is doing it. I need to do this. Just focus on your path. That's as simple as I could put it. Because once you start focused on your path, you, you notice that the ball starts rolling. Because if you're trying to do a million different things at once because somebody else is getting success or you, you like what they're doing, then it's yeah. not always going to work out for you. And you spread yourself thin then, don't you? Mm -hmm. I think work work towards what you want and what you enjoy. That, that's my advice I give myself. I wouldn't give that to anybody else because it yeah. sounds too philosophical. <laughs> but it's it's one of them. It's like if, if myself, I, I'd have to tell myself just... just Take your time. Don't rush. Yeah, yeah, I know you're eager, but just take your time. Yeah, I think well, being an artist is philosophical, isn't it? You yeah. know, and it, I've always maybe I romanticise it a bit, but it is quite a deep personal thing, isn't it? Absolutely. It, you've got to look at it from all angles like that. My mates call me like absolute idiot for like because the way I, the way I I look at my my what I put out as like. A legacy, like this is this is what people will remember me as. That's ace. I love that. Yeah, no, but like I, I've just got. You're going to be the first one to get this, I think. I've just put a little intro at the, at the beginning. Um, it's because I've usually got the the it's time to refresh sort of thing at the beginning of this. I found a quote online and I was just like, wow, this is good. And it was um, Robin Williams saying, um, "There's nothing as I'll, I'm just sort of paraphrasing it, but it's, there's nothing um, that like happiness than knowing that you've." made 20 people in the world uh you've made it a better place for them so that's what i like to do with this podcast it's getting really deep now but <laughs> it's one of them things that, like i know that it feels good that five or six people have watched this and went yeah like you've made me look, give you a different aspect on how you look at things or how you yeah. produce music and it's like if you've made that change then that's all the happiness you can ask for in my opinion yeah
Well, um, I can relate to that a lot because I think, you know, in the early days, I was only making tunes for me. And um, even if no one ever listened and I, I ended up working in a different aspect of the music industry, I still would have been satisfied yeah. and just making tunes in my bedroom for me. Yeah. You know, or maybe, like they said, a couple of people. Yeah, I know it's 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 a very it's, it is when you when you said you romanticize it. I don't think you are. I think a lot of people feel it, but they're a lot they're scared to talk about it because it's like it might come across as wrong. Like I don't want to come across like it's been a bit poncy, but it's it's like I care about what I put out, and well, so I so you should. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's got your name on it. Yeah, so. yeah. But you, you care about you, and you overthink things. Like someone might listen to one of your tunes and be like. Oh right, so he's done that. But to you, you, you're on it. You're so connected to it on a deeper level, and it's only when sometimes you have to explain tunes to people where they're like, "Ah, that makes sense." Like, like, um, I watched your uncut that you, you did, and you explained a couple of things of why you say why you put that ambience in there, or why you've done that, or where you took that inspiration from. And every time I hear that record, it's like. Oh yeah, then then I'll and then I'll go out my way and I'll listen to the record it was inspired from. And it's like, you, cause you cause you connect you connect with people on a different level. I think that's what music is, isn't it? Uh, like I'm I'm just trying to like beat around it, but music is like one of them things that you don't realize of how many people you connect to. Like you can consume TV. Netflix is a big thing at the minute. It's just a content machine with the latest series, the latest thing, and people get attached to these things. But music's always a constant in my my life as is for other people and they'll attach memories to when they hear a tune they might hear your latest tune and at the next gig and they'll look back in 10 years and it's like yeah that was my youth yeah that, memory that memories, was my mate, youth yeah. yeah that's what it is all about isn't it um sorry for going off on one there but i just felt like it was maybe needed to like <laughs> said because sometimes I, I sit there and i think to myself am i just overthinking this um like, am I the one that's different to everybody else? Like, they just want to throw a donk tune in. Oh, look at this remix of this donk tune. Or even in other other styles of music, it's like, oh, I'm just done this, this groove, what do you reckon? And it's like, I look at things on such a deeper level that maybe sometimes it's like, am I taking this too There's far? There's a bit of both, yeah. I, I do have to, to reel myself in sometimes and, and go, you know, it's not that deep. Just yeah. make a banger. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> there it. There is like, a bit of that as well. It's a balance, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, next question. Um, if you were to go on a panel slash game show, which one would it be and why? And that's from Jamie Johnson. If it's Jamie I'm thinking of, nice question, Jamie. Uh, hope you're all right. I'm going to let you take this. Um, panel show. See, I've read this question. I've thought about it and I've, mine's still blank. I, I'd always like, like, cause I'm, this is a nostalgia thing for me. I was like countdown. <laughs> like I go on countdown. Countdown's class. Yeah. I think I'd do pretty well as well. Cause I, like, I'm quite good at maths. Like, uh, mental maths quite good at as well. Um, I maybe fail as on the, on the, I'd never done well on making nine letter words and stuff. So I'd be like, I just entertain them whilst whilst everyone else is singing. What's the one um, where you've got all the oh, fucking forgetting the name of the show now, but it's like a big screen and then it flips round with bits of a big picture. And oh, you have to guess catchphrase! What it is. Catchphrase, mate. You go on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. On catchphrase is a legendary one. <laughs> um, a few honourable mentions, though. I would, I would like to to go on. What's someone with Bradley Walsh called? Do you know which? Deal or no deal? No, no. He's he's he do, uh, that's Noel Edmonds, isn't it? No, is it Bradley Walsh? It's called. 
I'm sure it oh, is. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, the Chase. The Chase. I'd love to do uh, yeah, that. I don't watch much TV, me. So I, 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 don't, I don't have a TV licence. No, so. I, I don't either. <laughs> so I'd just love to get on that Chase and just go face to face with them, knowing that they're just going to absolutely obliterate me. Yeah, but, I wouldn't get anywhere on that. Yeah. Um, and other other sort of game shows. I, thought, I always thought I'd make a good Big Brother contestant, but as I've got older and older, I thought... I'm getting more boring, so <laughs> I think I'd probably be the first voted out now. But when I was 17, I'd, I'd have won that. <laughs> like, so that. any other shouts that you would, uh, game shows? Nah, not really. I'd like, I'm a massive fan of comedy, so I'd like to maybe have sat like as a fly on the wall on Mock the Week. I'd, I'd yeah, sit there on the ace. panel and I'd just, I'd just let everyone else do the talking. I'd just be like... Yeah, I do watch that from time to time. This, this is cool. good. Uh, yeah. So, nice question, Jamie. I appreciate that one. Uh, that was pretty good, that question. Um, so, the next sort of section, this is the flopper bop. Have you seen this at all? No. <laughs> so, flopper bop is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, give you five tracks. I, I, I think you'll know them all. Um, and you've got to just tell me, flopper bop, if I disagree with you. Flopper bop, love yeah. it. Okay, I hope I know all these. Yeah, I think you will. Um Basically, it's what people have, have wrote in. When I've asked for, for tracks, this is what people have wrote in. Um, there is some bangers. There is some not-so-good bangers. Um, and you just tell me... I'm just going to say I'm terrible with track names, so I actually might not know some of them, but, but far I'll away. sing them to you. One of, the, one, of the, one of the guys who was on a couple of weeks ago, he, he knew the tune, and he still made me sing it, right? And then it's just like, it was Toto Africa. And, I, and like, everyone knows that tune. Obviously, I'm going to try and do that high-pitched... Uh, oh I can't God. sing as it is. But yeah, don't make me sing them, please. All if right, you know go them. on, let it go on. Um, so this is Flopper Bop with Josh Butler. The Shapeshifters, Lola's theme, Flopper Bop. Uh, bop. Yeah, nice, banger. Class, class. That, that, that's one of them, it's a divisive one as well. People are always like, oh, I hate this, or I love it. It's I a Marmite it. tune. Yeah. I love it. It's such a good tune. You don't hear it in clubs, and it's just shame, really. But I love that. Tidy Girl, Screwdriver. Um, yeah, probably Bop. Bop. Yeah. I'm going to say Bop. Stardust, music sounds better with you. Yeah, it's a bop. That's a bop. Yeah. I've never ever heard that in a club as well. It's always like it's always been a radio tune. I've always heard it on yeah. radio or Spotify. Or, or like cocktail bars, yeah. you know. And it's a it's a banger. It it's is a banger. And the last one, this will, this is a bit of a throwback for you. Um Paradise See the Light. Oh uh, yeah, it's, I think it's a flop for me that. Yeah, everyone's entitled to her opinion. <laughs> uh, I, it's it's overplayed as out for me, so I would never yeah. ever play it out myself. I don't think just because I'm sick of the vocal. But it's it, it for me. It's a bop because it's a, it's a legendary tune. It is a legendary tune. Don't get me wrong. It's yeah. just a little bit cheesy for me. Yeah. At the moment. <laughs> excellent, excellent, mate. Um, thanks for participating in Flop or Bop. Uh, I enjoyed that. I want more now. Yeah. Uh, honestly, <laughs> Pete, uh, for. Do you know when you say about the TikTok generation? I always chop the, the, that bit out and put it on just because I know people enjoy it. Yeah. I didn't realize how many people would enjoy it. So it's That's like cool. it's the one every week. It's the it's the one that always does really well on on um, online on TikTok. Um, this one is unpopular opinions. Uh, before we, we tie it up today, so this is also from people who've um, wrote in in the community group. Um, you just tell me if you agree or disagree. So unpopular opinions. Is it Bounty House or is it Bootleg House? And that's from Heath Bounce. Nice one for the question, mate. So uh, I don't know if you you pay attention to the scene nowadays, but a lot of, a lot of the music is Remixes. bootlegs. Yeah, yeah, bootlegs. Yeah. Just constant bootlegs. Yeah, of course. Originality is just not there. Yeah, maybe it isn't Bounce anymore. Mm. <laughs> I think it is technically Bounce, isn't it? Yeah. But I'm thinking of tunes like 
uh, Action DBC, you know, these were yeah. original fucking bangers, mate. <laughs> oh my God. Hey, I'm going to send this to, to DBC. Uh, Josh Butler approves of... <laughs> I uh, love everything DBC has done. Big <laughs> fan. He's a very good musician. Um, Sick guy. You should connect me with him. I'd love to speak to him. <laughs> <laughs> you should love to party with him. He goes in heavy. Really? Yeah. Uh, keep I've... up these days. <laughs> but yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a sound guy. Um, nice. But yeah, I mean, I know what you're saying about the bootleg thing. Um, What's it like in, in your scene then? So when you, when you go to a club now or a festival or whatnot... It's becoming... A bootleg thing is it yeah oh, massively. Right. there's okay. lots of That's interesting um milkshake remixes and mm-hmm. you know the same old tunes from back in the day that just get bootlegged right is it the nostalgia thing do you think yeah is it is it just because i see um i obviously watch the creamfields i don't go creamfields nowadays i'm too old for that <laughs> like not that i'm too old for it but i my, my head's too old for it i don't yeah. think i could hack a full I weekend go creamfields now. yeah um but not as a punter anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, I oh, 100% play there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I couldn't I couldn't hack a weekend of that. I'd just end up off the rails. Um, but like I've seen the video, the live stream videos and it's like just classics constantly revamped and same in the bounce scene it's the same. I'm not going to say it's not. It's either the latest chart tune that's been um vocal removed. Do you yeah, know where it's like yeah, really yeah. tinny sounds and it's like like Miracle's been a big one lately. Right. Miracle's been absolutely hammered. There's about 500 different bounce remixes of it, right? But, I mean, it's a great tune, don't get me wrong, but it's just hammered. And then you get the... I always use this one as the analogy, and to be fair, it's a great tune. I just feel bad for saying it, but the rhythm of the night, yeah, it's always going to it's always gonna be remixed. Um, same goes for um, Apollo, Dance. Um, yeah. Just all, the all Clubland classics that just get re... Even re- Till Tears was a big one, wasn't it? That got remixed a billion times. Yeah. We've talked about this so much on the podcast. Yeah, but really? Yeah, because uh, there's been a lot of hard, hard house heads who's been on and we've talked about it, but... The, the the they did like a the release that Tidy did the, the seven thousand remixes of, of Tiltiers <laughs> like you amazing. know and yeah I think they called it milked um, love but, that but yeah it's that's another one of them tunes that's had so many remixes and it's like I'm always a hunter for new music and I think yeah. that's what I know and it me. does still exist especially in the house scene that's why I love that ha- that house music scene I'm still in it because there are a lot of uh, amazing vocalists that are a part of that scene. So yeah. there's there's new stuff being written and recorded all the time. Yeah. Do you think this is a question from me? This isn't on there. Do you think it's 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 quite hard to break a new vocal tune when, when you do when you play it? Is it like yeah, probably is. It's hard. Yeah, it's harder than um, than a remix. A remix is the easy a bootleg is the easy yeah. option in it. But yeah. It's not impossible. Yeah. Um, what you? What was the? What, sorry to to interrupt there, but there was one on Trick recently. Um, was it Shaq's one? Uh, that's pretty sure that's an original vocal. It is. It's uh, is it before. Kim English that could be. Is it you that she sang it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, um, I think I, I'm probably wrong. and I'm going to sound like a complete tit, but I think it's Kim English who done the original vocal. Yeah, right. Um, I've never heard the original personally, but yeah, that's. Um, it's just it's it's like literally it's just been it's sam- it's been sampled pretty well to be fair like that, the way they made that groove out of it but it, it's yeah it is an original vocal from somewhere but as I say these tunes are getting bigger and it's just it's one of them isn't it it's like because people can relate to them um, who was it uh, is it you oh, what's his name I'm so bad you and MacGyver yeah he did uh, 
tell me something good. That that was yeah. that vocal was from an old record as well. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and that that done bits that as well. So it's it's one of them things. People chase the nostalgia, but then when you come up with like really like well, I was talking to Dave Gray about it. It's it's when you can reinvent a tune. I'll tell you something in a minute, but uh, when you reinvent a tune and you make it your own, it's special. Just like Dave did, he, he's, I think he's done a, a, a remix of um, the Bisto advert from like the, <laughs> the early has. 90s. And honestly, it's so cheesy. And he played it to me and I was like, I fucking love this. This is <laughs> so good. Because brilliant. it's inventive and I've never heard it being used in that context. Why not remix it? Yeah, yeah. Shout to a lot Dave of people won't know that it's from Bista. Well, they will now. Yeah, <laughs> but it's <laughs> so good. Like, I love it. Uh, last one for today, and that is um, Oggy, 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 you should be banned, and that's from Alan James. This is more of a bouncing thing, but yeah. do you, what, what's, is there a, a host situation within the house scene? Do you get, do you get hosts to... Um, not in the UK. In fact, I'm trying to think, not really anywhere apart from Holland. Mm-hmm. Holland love an MC. Mm-hmm. And when I say MC, I don't mean like Scouse House or yeah, um, no, no, just some, MC, yeah, but someone between the, the, the DJ sets, sets introducing. or maybe halfway through a set, you know, they'll jump on the mic and hype get it everyone up. hyped. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I respect that. I think that's really good. Yeah, I, um, I like it personally. Big fan of it. I do. It just, it's just, it's one of them things. It's just a little reminder that you're there and you're live, and yeah. it's, it's it's about to go off i love that yeah love me that. too um right so before we tie today up mate i asked this to everybody uh you're about to get um executed because electric chair job um because you're in america and that's what happens in america <laughs> um and you get one last meal you're allowed a starter a main a dessert and a beverage what are you having oh mate putting me on the spot here um Starter, what would the starter be? You might have to edit me thinking out here. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, mate. Don't worry about it. Um, I'll I'll answer. Well, think. Um, okay. I've done this fifty. What did I say? Fifty three episodes in now, and people always ask me what what mine is. So I'll share it with. I'll share my starter with you. I'll just I'll drip feed you it right. Um, I don't smoke weed or anything like that um, as much as I'd love to, just through work. Um, I get drug tested and stuff, so I can't really do it. Um, shouldn't be really saying this on the podcast, but I don't care. Um, if I was to get the electric chair and I'm on my way out, I know I haven't got work on Monday, I'm just going to have a bag full of edibles before I have my mains. So there's there's my answer. That's a shout. Um, I might join you on that. <laughs> so I'd have, I'd have a big bag of edibles, right? And then I'd just sit there and absolutely appreciate the flavors of my main i'm not going to tell you yeah. what the main is yet though so go on then if you had a thing okay no so the starter for me um i don't get drug tested at work thankfully so <laughs> <laughs> um, i will i'm gonna have like garlic mussels to start right with crusty bread okay so you dip it in the oil and stuff and then for the main i think i'm gonna have lasagna big healthy slice of lasagna yeah and then you don't need to wait out. You don't need to watch your weight, mate. Yeah. <laughs> then dessert. Um, Do you have a garlic bread with your? With yours? Yeah, we were having a garlic bread. Yeah, yeah. probably a little side salad as well. Okay. Bit of rocket. Love a bit nice. of rocket. I like it with the. Um, oh, what's the the sweet oil? Um, I like that one on my salad. It don't look like a salad eater, but I am a salad eater. Balsamic. Yeah, uh, like a balsamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Um, and then dessert, ooh, maybe like a creme brulee or something. Creme brulee is a shout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd have the munchies mega at this point. <laughs> so, like, so I'd probably go creme brulee or tiramisu. <laughs> tiramisu, yeah, yeah. winner. Um, so when you have your... I'm really passionate about food, as you can tell. But um, when you have your lasagna, um, what style garlic bread do you have on the side? Do you have the one that's it's like a loaf? Che- cheesy, probably a flat cheesy garlic bread. A flat one, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Good choice, good choice. Um, and yeah, so what beverage are you going to wash that down with? Um, probably a pint. Of? Yeah. Um, Peroni. Peroni, good yeah. show. Don't really show. have a go-to beer. You know, but like Moretti's a good one. Yeah. Joy Moretti. Yeah. Something like that nice nice i just want to say thank you for coming on today mate it's been an absolute pleasure and i've loved the podcast mate, I've, I've loved it yeah i've nice wanted one. to i wanted to pick your head for so long because obviously you messaged me last year and i was like josh is coming on josh is coming on i'm telling you now because i've got so many questions yeah now we have to make it happen <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, i just want to say thank you for coming on pleasure, mate. man if you've enjoyed this go and check josh out where can people find you uh all the usual social medias uh facebook instagram yeah uh twitter um Yes, Spotify. That's it, mate. Excellent, mate. Yeah. Excellent. And then if you're out and about in America, go and see you. <laughs> yeah. San Diego crew, you hear me? <laughs> no, um, yeah, I just want to say thanks for coming on. Yeah, if you've enjoyed the podcast, then um, share it with your mates because that's how this podcast grows. Um, not everyone in the world gets to see this. So if you see it and you think, my mate might like that, go and share it with them. Send it on WhatsApp. Share it on Facebook, share it on Instagram, whatever. We're just trying to grow this community. And if you really enjoy it and want to support the podcast, you can sign up at Patreon at patreon.com forward slash it's time to refresh. It's £3 a month and that just helps towards production costs um, and basically just upgrades all the equipment as well. As you can see, the production has got a lot better since we first started and that's only due to the Patreon Um I mean, I have put more money towards it as well, but you know, it's it's a it grow, it's a growing thing, it's a growing thing. Uh, if you have enjoyed it, then share it with your mates. Thank you for watching, and I'll see you again next week.